Director of Public Affairs, and we are joined today by Spencer Tuma, our Director of National Legislative Programs, and BJ Tanksley, our Director of State Legislative Programs. Glad Thank to be here guys. again. All right. Yeah, good, thanks. Good uh, opportunity to talk to everybody about what's going on with the Missouri ballot. We have some updates of things we talked about last week. Um, plus, we're going to run through everything that is on uh, the ballot uh, from the congressional races all the way down. Um, and we uh, have upgraded our technology this week. We had the flip chart. And oh, I missed the flip chart so the much. The flip chart is such a classic. It is, but we'll see how this goes. It could be a disaster. <laughs> if this is going to be serious analytics, we've got to have serious technology. Yeah, soon we'll move to like the touchscreen thing where you can like zoom into the whole state and We'll have yeah. real maps. It'd be great. <laughs> It'd be pretty neat. Huh? I won't have to draw them on the flip chart. <laughs> well, we'll uh, see how this goes. Our apologies if it's a disaster. But um, okay, so to begin, the yes on three campaign is uh, is really kept catching steam. I think that we've seen a lot of um, fear from the other side from the no on three campaign. And we talked to you last week about the huge number of people. Uh, well, not really a number of people, but the huge amount of money. Yeah, a small number of people, big yeah, amount of big money. Big amount of money. Very small number of people. Getting bigger by the day. Yeah, so when we last talked to you about the No on 3 campaign, we were saying how it, they had brought in more than $4 million, mostly from out-of-state sources. Well, we've updated that to see what more they brought in, and now it's all the way up to $7 million. Huge amount of money pouring into the state in these last few days. And now most of that, those $3 million extra dollars, came in the form of huge contributions. Um, 97.8% of the money in the No on 3 campaign has come from huge donors, bigger than $5,000. Almost all of it is coming from over $100,000 at a time. Huge checks coming in from out of state. Also, um, about 80% of it is from outside of Missouri. And then about 60% of that is coming from dark money groups. It really is uh, continuing to get even worse as we get closer to election day. It's interesting, you know, we, we're we pushing for a yes on three and we think on, on good terms and we know why. It's to protect rural communities and all communities and make sure that they continue to be represented well in the Capitol. Um, interesting to see other groups coming in from outside asking for a no vote on this and coming in so large. I do think what you said is true. Um, what's going on out there in social media with people putting out their yard signs and talking to their neighbors, they're starting to see a swell of people going out and going to say, I'm going to vote yes on this thing. And they're trying to come in and buy this at the last minute and say no. They're seeing through some of the some of the uh, bad things that they've been doing. And yeah. I think it really demonstrates, I mean, if you look at this number, almost $7.1 million. Those of you who are watching, please, please, please help us get the word out about yeah. why it's important to vote yes on three. We don't have $7.1 million. I'm not even going to try to lie and tell you that we've got a whole bunch of money and we've got this big plan. I mean, this this is as high budget as it gets right here. So please, please, please talk to your friends and family, share our posts on Facebook, Twitter, even Instagram, um, and try to talk to people outside of your political circle. I think that's what's so, so important is a lot of times, you know, we share something on Facebook or we share something on Twitter and we're afraid to talk to people who might be undecided or might be on the other side because you don't want to get into an argument. You don't have to be negative, um, but I think that's a really good opportunity only way we can pass Amendment 3 is if every single person who watches this video is willing and able to talk to their friends, family, and neighbors about why it's so critically important. Yeah, because the truth is this money is stuff that you're going to see. Um, the people that are that are spending this money are going to be running television ads. They already yeah. are. 
but it's going to get to be even more. I know we both talked about watching football over the weekend and there was more ads than normal right. and it just seems to compound. And next weekend is going to be even more. So it's going to be more and more important that people that have seen the truth, have looked at the issues, have looked at both sides of it to go out there and share your point of view on it. Don't let some advertisement tell you how to vote on it. Um, really look into the issues and look at what's more important for your community. What's going to keep your community together? Uh, a yes vote is the right way. We spend a lot of talk about who's working on the other side, but we truly believe that yes is the right way for each and every one of Missourians. Uh, so please do some research, look at it, um, and then talk to your neighbors and friends about the issues. Yeah, and let me uh, mention before I forget that if you have any questions while you're watching this live, we see there's a lot of people that are watching live right now. If you have questions, put them in the comments below and we'll try to answer them uh, before we go. Um, let's move on to a couple more points about this, though. That since the uh, quarterly uh, report was, was put in on September 30th, there have been a bunch of additional donations to the No on 3 campaign and huge money, again, from out of state. They've brought in more than $2.6 million just since, since the October beginning of this 1. month. Yeah, yeah. we're at, what, 26? Uh, so that's in the past 25 days. They've brought in $2.6 million. That's 100000 dollars a day pouring into the state of Missouri. Um, and almost 90% of it is coming from outside of Missouri. Also, 55% of that is coming from dark money groups. I pull, pulled out all of those donations. The next slide you're going to see is all the donations since the start of this month. And uh, it's maybe a little challenging to see that, but um, some of these that are really, uh, really tough to look at, you know, just to see who is really coming into Missouri is uh, up here you've got the, um, where is it? The Open Society Policy Center. That's that arrow right there. They put in half a million dollars. We'll talk about them more in a second. Um, also down here from Missouri, uh, the Planned Parenthood of St. Louis put in uh, $12,500 too. So these donors are coming from, the blue ones at the top are from outside of Missouri. That's $2.6 million. And then from inside of Missouri, that's $372,000. So about nine to one, the money just this month is coming from outside of Missouri. And at one of the discussions that I've had with some people who may be undecided on the issue is they've said, well, you know, there's all these groups supporting who, who have said, you know, we're, we're opposed to Amendment 3, um, but they haven't given money. So how can you say they're trying to advance their agenda? Well, if, if their agenda wasn't clear prior to that ethics report, I think the agenda ought to be pretty clear now. Uh, with the policies that some of those groups support that, quite frankly, just don't align with Missouri values. Um, I think you just have to follow the money to see the kind of agenda that people are trying to to use to sway voters in the state of Missouri. They're trying to buy your vote, and we need to tell them that it is not for sale. Right. And we've got, uh, I think, the, the one that's received the most attention just in the past few days was the Open Society Policy Center, which I mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah, who is the Open Society <laughs> yeah, Policy I Center? Yeah, I wonder. That sounds pretty innocuous, mm -hmm. isn't it? Well, they gave half a million dollars on Thursday, October 22nd, and that is the primary uh, political advocacy group for billionaire philanthropist and activist George Soros. Um, many people know, have heard a lot of things about him and the um, try of, type of things he's tried to influence. He has tons of shell corporations and organizations and lots of other groups that he gives money to, but this is like the main focus. This is kind of the, the parent group of all of his organizations. They didn't even try to hide it. This is straight from the, the source. Uh, so George Soros's money uh, is coming pouring into Missouri, half a million dollar check just on Thursday. 
And is George Soros, is he worried about his representation in the Missouri Capitol? I'm confused. I don't think so. Because I don't believe he lives in Missouri. worth about half a million dollars. It seems yeah. like it seems a pretty like odd investment. He's after something. And right. these other groups are as well. Um, the other groups, uh, there's a number of them. And uh, we'll go through a handful of them here. Yeah, we talked through some of these last week. But just a lot of groups supporting either monetarily or have lent their name, their social media, their membership list their to community organizing efforts. Yeah, to this cause, to opposing Amendment 3, to opposing keeping communities together through redistricting. So number one is the Sierra Club. Uh, certainly, if you're a Farm Bureau member, you're probably familiar with them. Very radical environmentalist agenda. Um, the Service Employees International Union, a lot of labor union dollars, Moms Demand Action, a radical gun control group, Planned Parenthood. We've talked about them before. NARAL, also a pro-choice uh, group, very significant fundraising presence. Heartland Alliance for Progress, the list goes on and on. Como for Progress, a lot of groups that are aligned with the Indivisible Movement out of St. Louis and Kansas City, very left-leaning progressive agenda. Bread and Roses, which we learned is not a restaurant where you can buy flowers, right, BJ? <laughs> Seems like a good choice. For uh, <laughs> radical, radical socialist groups. And, and this finally, last one's my favorite. Dance the Vote. Yeah. I had never even heard of this. Well, we, um, we looked it up. Elizabeth, our uh, producer, gave us the rundown of what they do. And it's, what is it, interpretive dance? They do interpretive about dance voting? based on the experiences of voting. And flash and, mobs. And flash mobs. Which we've determined is everyone's favorite type of mob. Yeah. Yeah. And they exactly. and then and they're rooted in supporting causes that are on more of the progressive and socialist agenda. So I don't we, think you have to say more of the progressive. <laughs> they're all very progressive. <laughs> I was trying to be diplomatic. I, I mean, I mean, no offense to the issues that they're involved in. They they feel passionately about sure. them, I'm sure. But yeah. there's no hiding that they're all pretty far on the left side of the political right. spectrum. And the truth is, is, this is not to pick on any one of those groups or the members of those groups. They have their political leanings and the reasons why they believe those ways. The truth is, that's not what Missouri's been doing recently. It's not what Missouri voters have been voting for recently. It's not what we would say is the Missouri way of life. You know, a lot right. of Missouri voters believe in the Second Amendment. They believe in pro-life stances. And, and that's not the way these groups are going. And that's in my opinion, and I'm just going to say it, that's the reason why these groups are pouring so much money into Amendment 3, into asking you to vote no, because they know that a yes vote on Amendment 3 continues to vote for Missouri values. It keeps those communities of interest together and strong represent representation in the Missouri capital. And we've said this before, but many of these groups support policies that have not been successful in the Missouri capital in the past. And instead of saying we need to get better, at figuring out how to align our policies with Missouri values, they say, oh, well, let's just change the rules of the game so that it will be more fair to us. And yeah. I don't think that's the best way to draw legislative districts. I, in the I agree. State. I think out, outreach to the voters that um, you're not getting is the way to win more elections, not changing the rules. Right. Um, let's go, go on a couple of additional things um, that we've seen in the past few days. There's some people endorsing this uh, or the opposing the Amendment 3 efforts uh, from outside the state, BJ? Yeah, so we've seen a lot of the celebrity world decide to chime in on how Missouri legislative districts should be drawn. Uh, last time we talked, we were talking about Andy Cohen and Jennifer Lawrence. Um, Andy, at least, is originally from Missouri. I don't yeah. think he chooses to live here anymore. But recently, we saw the uh, famous California governor, the, uh, the Arnold, as you would say, <laughs> um, decided he thought he should weigh in. Um, and then uh, Attorney General Eric Holder. I think it's very interesting. Someone who uh, not a lot of Missourians were voting for, not a lot of Missourians supported. Um, everybody enjoyed the uh, 
the fun of when Arnold was the governor of California, but apparently they've put together a political wing now. Yeah. Arnold has an institute that decides how people should vote. Um, I doubt it, it aligns with Missouri Farm Bureau members on a lot of issues, and they decided to weigh in last week. Um, we've had a little fun with it on uh, on yeah. social media, because uh, I do think, but I, I really think this isn't all that much of a laughing matter. There's a reason why they're getting a lot of people from outside of the state of Missouri to come in and try to tell you how you should vote on this. And a lot of that is because not a lot of Missourians who truly understand this are gonna ask you to vote no on it. A lot of people know that we here in Missouri wanna have local representation represented in the Capitol, that these gerrymandered districts that are put together for competitiveness just don't suit our state. That's not the way it goes. We have a lot of competitive races in the state of Missouri. There's several we're gonna talk about still today. Some of those competitive races are held in August and some of them in, um, in November. And, and that's the way we want to make sure we continue to have races that keep local representation as the number one criteria uh, or higher than competitiveness. And so that's yeah. why we think it's important. But seeing this out of state money is something that's pretty new to me. I, I laugh about it a lot, but it's really not all that comical. I'm not sure why Eric Holder or Arnold Schwarzenegger think they, they need to weigh in on our politics. Um, I don't think they've weighed in on many other things in the past, but suddenly there's enough money in this game right. um, that, that they're weighing in on this. One thing that I think is interesting, I'm not saying this is completely reflected here, but I have heard that recently there is kind of a going price for getting kind of these celebrity endorsements for issues. Um, and so maybe the other campaign just has enough money that they can call in any um, yeah, any of these celebs that they want and see if they can't get it. Um, Check on Cameo. Maybe that maybe that plays a lot. Um, maybe that plays well in certain areas, but I don't think Missouri's going to go for it. Seven point one million dollars would buy you a lot. Yeah, buy well, some so, real good endorsements. Buy some real good endorsements. All right. Well, let's uh, go on and see what else uh, is on the ballot uh, coming up here in just a few days. Um, reviewing the rest of it, we've got, of course, at the top of the ticket is the presidential race. I think everybody's heard about that ad nauseum for, well, four years. Um, it seems like it never ended after 2016. And uh, we do expect, just from all the polling, that uh, Donald Trump is very likely to win Missouri. He won it by 19 points four years ago. Um, good chance it'll be a little closer than that this time. But how much closer, we don't know. And uh, I think that's probably going to influence a lot of these other races, uh, how much closer that margin may be. Than it was in 2016, um, could make a big difference in some of the other races. And we should note that Missouri Farm Bureau does make endorsements in political campaigns for candidates, but we do not actually endorse in the presidential right. race. I think it's a really common misconception among yeah. a lot of people who aren't familiar with our organization. So we have no official position on who you should vote for for right. president. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and not Missouri Farm Bureau doesn't, and neither does American Farm Bureau, right. is my understanding. Yep. I mean, it's because we're a federation of states and all have their own points of view. We do weigh in a lot on state level races and, and federal races, but not the presidential race. I do think it's going to be interesting, Eric. You follow a lot of uh, polling data. What are people saying about Missouri? Like you said, it was something 19 points previously. What are, what are we thinking it looks like come this year? Yeah, there haven't been a ton of statewide polls on uh, Missouri because of the fact that it's pretty clear which direction it's likely to go. Um, but most of the ones that I've seen have been a little narrower than uh, the, that 19 point gap. I think in the low teens is where most people are expecting it. Um, but again, without a, a lot of polls being done, that's a larger margin of error. If you had a whole bunch of polling, then you'd be a little more confident in where that's going to land. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate that we've moved a little away from being a bellwether 
in Missouri because then we don't get as robust polling as we used to in previous elections. Yeah, I remember not all that long ago, there was a lot of polling in Missouri and we were known as the bellwether state. Yeah. As Missouri yeah. went, so would the country. And it seems like we've moved away from that. It was a, it, it was an interesting time in politics when we were, but I think it's the, uh, it's the trends of the state as of now. I saw some predictions uh, recently that were saying nine, nine and a half, ten percent, something like that, probably. Yeah, there's a good chance of that. So, uh, presidential race. We'll uh, move on to the congressional races. We have, of course, every two years, you have all of the members of the House of Representatives up for election. Um, since we had our uh, senators up for election the last two cycles, this cycle we don't have a senator on the ballot for the United States Senate. But all of those uh, congressmen, men, members of the House of Representatives are up. So this year, uh, Spencer, let's talk about some of these that are going to be hot on, on the congressional races. Yeah, so on your screen, you'll see all of the candidates that Missouri Farm Bureau's voting PAC trustees have endorsed for the U.S. House of Representatives. And I think it's important to talk about Missouri Farm Bureau's endorsement process just a little bit because a lot of people have questions about how that works. So every county farm bureau in the state of Missouri actually has a PAC trustee, so a designated person who is a voting delegate of our PAC board. And every election, that those trustees have the ability to interview, they offer questionnaires, uh, they meet with candidates, a lot of times from, from all parties that are entered in the race. Uh, and they actually interview those candidates themselves and then decide whether or not to make an endorsement. And I think that's a question that working here I get a lot is, well, who decides who Missouri Farm Bureau endorses? And it's not me and it's not Eric or, or BJ. It's not even Mr. Hurst, our president. Yeah. Um, those those votes are all taken by our grassroots members. Um, so every person you see endorsed on your screen has the support of Missouri Farm Bureau members from around the state. Uh, in congressional races, we allow the trustees of the, those particular districts to vote on those endorsements. So we have yeah, so it's just the people who live in, in these districts that vote on it. Right. Yeah, the people the that are state. impacted by that given race. Yeah. 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 yeah, so um, you'll see on the screen, we've endorsed uh, Congresswoman Ann Wagner, Blaine Lutkemeyer, Vicki Hartzler, Sam Graves, Billy Long, and Jason Smith. Uh, and a lot of those races aren't terribly exciting this cycle, but one in particular on your screen you see highlighted in red, Congresswoman Ann Wagner in Missouri's 2nd Congressional District, which covers parts of St. Louis, St. Charles, and Jefferson County is one of the most closely watched House races in the entire country. The Cook Political Report, which is a very, very prominent uh, political polling forum, they have uh, rated this race as a toss-up. Uh, the interesting thing about this race is Congresswoman Wagner primarily represents a suburban uh, area. Uh, not a ton of rural and not a ton of truly urban, but very, very large suburban presence. Um, and quite frankly, a lot of suburban Republicans have suffered during the Trump administration with Republican support. Uh, we're hoping that that's not true for Congresswoman Wagner. She's been a great friend of Farm Bureau, has a 92% voting record on Farm Bureau issues, and is a multi-year winner of the American Farm Bureau's Friend of Farm Bureau Award. Her opponent uh, is a sitting state senator. She's somebody who has not been a friend to our interests in the state capitol. I can't speak directly to that. I, I've not worked with her personally. I'd let BJ do that. But um, Congresswoman Wagner is a very, very true friend to our organization. She's a friend of small businesses. She's a friend to the agricultural technology industry, which is one of the largest growing industries in the St. Louis region, which she represents. And if you're in St. Charles, St. Louis, or Jefferson counties, we'd really encourage you to cast your vote for Ann Wagner on November 3rd. All right. 
We Nothing also, to add. Well, that <laughs> was Chris trying to tee like... me up there. Well, you did such a good job of teeing it up. <laughs> the truth is uh, her opponent doesn't have a great voting record with Farm Bureau. On some of our big issues, we have not had her support on those issues. And that is on the record. That's all true. And Congresswoman Wagner has been a great advocate for Farm Bureau and, and agriculture, even though you know she has some agriculture, but not a lot in her own district. So there's a clear contrast between the two in their support of Farm Bureau issues. And, and there's a clear reason why we're supporting her. Absolutely. And I think it is vital that people get out there and support him. Yeah, I think that the Wagner race, the second congressional district in Missouri, is emblematic of the races that are really tight across the country. There are those heavily suburban districts um, that really aren't sure. We, we really aren't sure just how much they've shifted from the 2016 election. So uh, we shall see here in just a few days. And I, I think it'll it'll be interesting to watch those kind of races. Hopefully, obviously, we have our side in it. And I think in a state where we expect the top of the ticket to go a certain direction, I think these are, are we, we're still in very good shape and get out there and support the good candidates. I think there's, as long as that happens, we're still in really good shape to win and hold these seats and continue to have the support we have at, at every level. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the statewide ballot. Um, there's a number of people on the ballot this year. There's most of the races uh, are are up this year, uh, but not all of them. Um, but one at the very top we've endorsed is a, in a a bit of a at least competitive race. So BJ, what are we looking at here on the statewide? Yeah, every year in Missouri, we every every four years we elect everyone except the state auditor. The state auditor is kind of in the off year race for some reason. I'm not sure why it got laid out that way. Um, but yes, this year we have the big slate headlined by the governor and Missouri Farm Bureau has made a number of endorsements. Obviously, the top of the ticket is going to take number one, and that is we are supportive of reelecting Governor Mike Parson to that position. Uh, governor Parson, obviously, first and foremost, is a friend of agriculture. Yeah. Being a farmer himself with the background he has, has truly been a true advocate for Farm Bureau from the time that he was in the House and the Senate and now in his governor's office. Uh, I say it a lot, so if you've heard me speak before, you've probably heard this, but we are lucky at Missouri and Missouri Farm Bureau to have agriculture at both lieutenant governor and governor's position. These are truly people that understand agriculture. They understand uh, rural Missouri, um, and they truly have been both big advocates for all of ours. The whole slate is, but the top of the ticket uh, when Governor Parson and Governor Kehoe and Lieutenant Governor Kehoe, absolutely. Um, so we're lucky in that. Obviously, this is going to be a tight race. It's going to lead the ticket. Probably the rest of the ticket uh, follows from that. Um, latest I'm seeing is Governor Parson has good support out there and has been running a great race. I think there's a great chance for him to hold this and probably tag a, a pretty heavy win. Um, Auditor Galloway has been running a, a, a tough fought campaign, but Missouri seems to be leaning right still as it has for the last few years. Uh, but I think it's vitally important. We've all got to get out there and vote. And, and it's not that we can rest back and say, oh, it looks like a comfortable race. But that's the way I see it going. I really do. But we do still have to get out there and vote. We are very lucky in Missouri and rural Missouri. And one of the things that we don't get into it a lot, probably don't have a lot of time here today, but I think just looking at the coronavirus response shows the difference in philosophy of governing. Governor Parson truly does see that the state is very vitally different. We're, we're, we're drastically different between Kansas City and Southeast Missouri. Just the density of people, the way we view government are, are a lot different. And he left it to those local communities and school districts to make decisions for how their communities should be governed through this thing. Not was he not supporting them. I've seen some reports that he wasn't supporting counties. I, I see that as absolutely not true. Following it on a daily basis, they were doing everything they could, either through state funding or CARES Act funding, to get support for out there to the counties, to be able to do everything they could to fight this virus. 
But at the same time, he wasn't coming down for mandates on high. When everybody was calling on him to do mandates on high, he said, no, these counties know how to run their government. He truly showed that he believes in a small form of government, letting local government run the show and then responding from there. But it wasn't a without support. He was doing everything he could from a statewide level. And that's why we need to send Governor Parson back to the governor's office. If you're interested in showing your support for Governor Parson this week, especially, they're actually making several stops around the state of Missouri on the Mike Works bus tour. You can visit the governor's website, their campaign website, to see a stop <clears throat> near you. Um, I think it's total nine days, and I don't know how many stops, yeah, but they're very likely coming to a place near you. So if they're you're interested in and some outdoor, socially distant support for the governor, be sure to check it out. Not a beautiful day for it today, but the, the title of Mike Works is true. He's, yep. They're working their yep. tails off this week and really getting out there during the state. And that's something Governor Parson has been willing to do, is go out there and make, make sure that he's continuing to have personal contact with voters, not contact, but actually seeing and, and visiting with voters. Because that is still important in this world. We still need to know what the rest of the state's doing. Uh, a lot of times we talk about what we see here in central Missouri may not be what the rest of the state sees. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I uh, didn't mention at the beginning of this is that there is one other constitutional amendment on the ballot, and that is just to extend term limits to all of these people up here um, above. Right now, term limits only apply to a couple of them, so that one would uh, expand it to be everybody on the statewide ballot, um, statewide offices. And we didn't take a position on that as Missouri Farm Bureau, but I think everyone pretty broadly expects that to pass by a massive margin. So um, in case you're wondering why... We we're talking about Amendment 3 and not 1 and 2. Well, that's because 2 was on the August ballot and 1 is also on this ballot, but does not uh, have much controversy with it. Right. Um, so moving on to the state Senate, there's a handful of pretty tight races there that mm -hmm. uh, could be pretty interesting on Election Day. DJ, we've got uh, five that we've endorsed here at Missouri Farm Bureau. Yes, these are senators that we've endorsed. And as you said, um, we, our senators have four-year terms, so every other election cycle they're running. Uh, top of the ticket there is uh, Senator Caleb Rowden in central Missouri running for re-election. Um, as majority floor leader, he has a very powerful position in the Senate. He's done a great job of working with us. He's been a strong supporter of agriculture, uh, something near 100% voting record the time he's been in the Senate. Uh, and so he's been a true advocate for agriculture in rural Missouri. When we come to him, he's easy to work with. And so we are strongly pushing for a vote for Caleb Rowden to go back to the state Senate. I think um, he's in a good position in that seat. I think he's done well. He's also been a great advocate for Columbia, the University of Missouri. Um, he's been somebody that's actually in that district. He's got Columbia, Missouri, and then he's got the rural areas around it, too. Um, so he has to work with several different constituencies and, and, in our opinion, has done a great job of doing both. Um, he's been able to do both and then strive to make sure that those rural areas are still well supported. Uh, overwhelmingly supported by Farm Bureau members in that district. But it is going to be the tightest one of the races you see there. Uh, you see Senator Hoskins um, going back to the Capitol from West Central Missouri area. Uh, Jason Bean going to be our new senator from Southeast Missouri. I want a multi-way primary uh, for the Boot Hill District. Um, Holly Rader running from the Cape Girardeau area. Um, has a November race, but we uh, anticipate her making it back. And then Carla Esslinger from South Missouri um, got a got a race in November, but we expect to see her um, in the state Senate. Uh, it's going to be an interesting new Senate. There is a competitive race in the uh, suburbs of St. Louis, too, uh, where you've got sitting Senator Andrew Koenig and uh, Deb Lavender, a state House member, um, in, a, in a closely contested race. And that's going to be considered a toss up there of how that race breaks. But between the Caleb Rowden race and that race are probably the tightest two uh, state Senate races in the state Senate. Yeah. So um, some changes coming to the state Senate. 
Uh, but we hope to see these come back and new senators in, in, in 2021. Yeah, and the and race. I live in Columbia, and the ads have gotten pretty nasty, uh, unfortunately, because I think uh, he's, he's a very good person and good guy, does a nice job, and they've really taken it uh, – Taken a little too far, I think, in some of the ads, but that's the way things go today, I guess. It's a shame that it does, but he truly has been a strong advocate yeah. for Columbia itself, the university, agriculture. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, he does work with both sides of the aisle. Yeah. In that position yeah. as majority floor leader, a lot of people don't understand this, but I'll take just a couple seconds. He has to, because he has to work on those relationships with the Senate. The Senate is an interesting place where you've got 34 people, and he has to make sure those relationships work to keep the Senate rolling forward. And he's done a, a great job, but not always does everybody get everything they want. Uh, we don't get everything we want out of the Senate all the time. You've heard me talk about that before, but he does a really good job of balancing needs and wants with both sides of the aisle. Um, and for anybody to say he doesn't would be um, would be saying something otherwise uh, than what they would have said at the end of session. I think that's the best that you could hope for from a place like Columbia is someone who works with both sides, listens to everybody and doesn't just. Uh, run too strong one way or the other. And it shouldn't be undersold that having the majority floor leader from your district is very important. Sure. Yeah, you get a lot of what you're looking for when you have such a powerful position. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, last thing we'll talk about here uh, is the Friend of Agriculture Awardees. Yeah, Missouri Farm Bureau doesn't endorse in state house races. There's 163 of them. There's a lot of them. But we do, in lieu of an endorsement, we do recognize Missouri uh, friend of Agriculture awardees. We do it every two years. These are House members, Missouri House members, who have a working relationship with their County Farm Bureau as well as a supported a supported voting record while in the Capitol. Um, so you can go to our website, check out those Friend of Agriculture award winners. If you're a Farm Bureau member, you would have received them in your magazine. Uh, we've been touting these folks a lot on our Facebook page. There's videos highlighting a number of those. I think we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 62 awardees, so we're really happy to have that level of support. Um, and these folks are people that if they're still up for election, because we recognize some that will be term limited out, um, if they're up for re-election, consider supporting them in this election cycle. And the list of those awardees should be linked in that description to the side of this video or below it. Um, so if you go to that uh, link in the, in the description, it'll take you to our website where you can see all of the candidates that have been endorsed by Missouri Farm Bureau uh, at all levels and then all the Friend of Agriculture Award uh, recipients. So remember to get out there and vote on November the 3rd. You can find your polling place if you're not sure where it is at sos.mo.gov. That's the Secretary of State's website. And if you'd like more information about what we are uh, promoting, um, the candidates and issues that we are advocating for, sign up for an email newsletter. Go to mofb.org. We'll be sending out a special edition of that newsletter this week that um, runs through all of the endorsements and all the issues that we are supporting. So. Keep an eye on your inbox for that. Um, and now as we wrap up, as has become our new tradition, we have the Missouri Farm Bureau question of the week. Um, and this is something that we debate a little bit beforehand as to what the question should be. And uh, we didn't really settle on anything before we started. So it's uh, dealer's choice today. I get to <laughs> decide. But it I'm is. Like well, we yeah. did. We did food the last couple of times. Right. And I do love food, but um, it's an issue that I think is really important, especially this time of year. And that is, let's see, we started with BJ last time, right? Yeah. So Spencer this yeah. time. So um, this time of year is especially important. What is the perfect temperature to keep your house? Um. Personally, mm -hmm. like 75 degrees. Woo! But I 
my husband would this say paper light on fire. My, husband <laughs> would, my husband would say like 68 or 69 so no, that, he didn't we didn't we didn't ask for andrew's opinion yeah right, well, exactly. <laughs> well does that matter <laughs> if i had to pick i would pick like 74 or 75 literally all year round like summer or winter that's, i do not like to be cold it's freezing yeah, rain outside come good. on it yeah. no no that's terrible winter came a little early it today. did come a little early um, Personally, it's about 68 or 69 right there is my favorite temperature. Just below 70, I think that's good enough. But I'll be honest, we were we were staying around 68 around the last few days. It was a little cool at night, especially when you wake up. Yeah, I don't mind it being cool and sleeping, but yeah. uh, the rest of the time, I don't want it to be cool. That's why I have a job, is so I make money so I can pay my heating bill. Um, and I like it to be about 70, 71 in the winter. Um, I thought summer. you were about to stop and say seventy-seven. I was oh, like, "All right." right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, well, and the other thing horrible. is, you could horrible. get you could get wood heat, and yep. then that's an agricultural product. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing Forestry. wrong with burning more wood. Renewable yeah, resource. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the winter, in the summer, I like it more like sixty-nine or so. I like it go. cold in the summer and hot in the winter. Well, not hot. I mean, I live in about a four-degree range. <laughs> um, that's about as far as I'm coming. Let's don't get too extreme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, okay, good answers. I, I can. That wasn't as controversial no. as pizza or or a candy coin. Apparently, I mean, mine was controversial. Y'all. Yeah, well, that's because you're wrong. No, okay, <laughs> but I'm not wrong about it's voting you yes would, on would, Amendment Three. You would have us all sweating. Yeah, that's just unreasonable. Well, <laughs> thank you all again for joining us. If you have any questions, uh, please shoot them our way so that we can try to answer them for you in a future edition. But don't forget to get out there and vote on November third. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Yep. Vote yes on three. Yes. Like, share, and comment. Tell your friends. <laughs>